So the market's just sitting there for the taking. And, you know, one thing that I will say is that if you're always raising capital, it is a big distraction. And doing a safe allows us to hire the right team and attack the market and get market share in a very, like, position of comfort. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to getlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at getlatka.com. Hey, folks. My guest today is Travis Tillotson. He is building a tool called sunroof.us. He's a Louisiana native Tulane grad, MIT OCW, then New York City, where he founded his last tech company in 2011 from a closet, truly a closet, and grew to 10 million bucks in sales before exiting. We're going to jump into all of it today. Travis, you ready to take us to the top? I am indeed. All right. Tell us about that first company. When did you launch that business? What year? I uh, launched in 2011. And-, and that was that they was actual launch or first line of code or LLC filing or what? That's LLC filing. Nice, nice. And and so you built that for how many years? Uh, actually, since up until 2019, we exited in November. Um, right. Raised uh, 10 million dollars of capital throughout that process. Our first, uh, you know, big round of capital was in 2015, in 2018, and from there we achieved uh, a few accolades like number two ninety fastest growing companies, number three best place to work, Cranes Magazine. That fastest growing companies was Inc. Magazine in 2018. And what, you know, was, what was revenue that year in 2018? Uh, six. Six up from what? Um, you know, that was so sort of 2017, 2018 numbers. Um, I would say uh, we, our growth rate was, was high. It was, it was, uh, you can look it up in the magazine, I guess, but you don't uh, come on. That's not something you remember. You don't remember you were in the magazine. Yeah, you don't remember you... Oh, no. I'm saying we were like at like two. Uh, the private, yeah, we basically were attacking hedge funds and private equity firms. Uh, that was our like explosive growth vertical. They're willing to pay very quickly and, um, you know, really pay a lot for research, disrupting the sell side using alternative data. And, and how did you, how did you get that thing off the ground? Were you sole founder or did you bring in co-founders? So I was sole founder initially, and basically I'd started in selling to the enterprise and uh, the long and short of it is selling the enterprise for several years, had issues with um, the standard consultant's dilemma of selling kind of all data at the time. So reporting to, you know, various uh, enterprise organizations on the advertising metrics across the country. And if you gave them bad news, wouldn't necessarily be rehired. It was almost a consulting-esque model and turned into a software model. And then, um, you know, basically brought in people who were experts in the, you know, financial sphere um, to be partners. And we ended up selling our research and data uh, and getting paid for it, um, no matter what the outcome was. So we weren't being paid just to paint rosy pictures. We're also being paid to, to paint. So, so Travis, sorry, just because just I want to I want to focus on Sunroof. So, so I'm just trying to get the equity story of Sergo, right? So, so when you guys sold, I guess, how much equity do you still own? Um, I sold the equity that I had owned was 33%. Okay. Would you, so would you do the same thing? Like you raised some capital, you brought on some co-founders. Is there anything you'd change about how you manage the cap table there? Um, I think that uh, I've learned a lot of things in the past. And I will say that um, make sure you find the right partners. Like I want to make sure that I find the right financing partners. I want to make sure that ultimately um, 
you know, you work with people that you like to work with and ensure good and clear communication. I mean, from my perspective, um, you know, it was really just a lot of lessons learned from a real first time founder. So the standard lessons you guys probably talk about every day and or every week of founders who've been through an exit, raise capital. Um, you know, so yeah, I would treat it as don't, don't go after those lofty valuations um, a little, you know, too early just because people are willing to give them to you because then you, your expectations are much higher afterwards. What, so what was your valuation in 2018 when you raised the 7 million? Valuation was 30. And, and did that feel fair at the time? Did that bite you in the butt or was that fair and then good? Uh, I, I would say it, um, I would say that from an expect, it just is all about setting expectations and, you know, recognizing that if you're taking these dollars, uh, I fully, you know, expected that we could achieve and accomplish our goals, but I also, you know, there's a, a, a balance of, I guess you could say, hedging appropriately. So understanding like, okay, does this mean that we're going to be raising capital forever? Does yep. this mean that we're going to be, you know, our goal now is to get to 300 million. Let's just assume the 10X, 10X rule. So are we going to need three more financing rounds to get there? Are we going to be able to do it with this financing round? Ideally, um, you know, I think you can build very strong, healthy software businesses uh, without requiring capital. Once you get over that real hurdle, and you get to that like magic mark from that 10 million to 50 million number, which we were not able to um, achieve 10, 10 million to 50 million ARR. And, um, you know, that really is kind of the goal is ensuring that, um, you know, getting a sticky market and make sure you have true product market fit and reducing churn. Standard, yep. standard talking standard, point. For standard, standard playbook. All right, just to put a bow on that story before we go into sunroof. So, so you grew it to call it past six million bucks in revenue. You raised about nine, ten million bucks in capital, and you sold it. You said last year or twenty nineteen? A couple of years ago. So it's been basically two years. Two. Year. Okay. Okay. Got yeah, it. So November November nineteen, like the office the staff went to the acquirer's office in November of twenty nineteen. So okay. then that's transitionary period. And, you know, from there, it was in their hands where it was kind of like take a step back and see how it goes. And, and what was the exit price? That's a, something you can't really share because we still have components that are moving in place. Um, so we did have a fixed number, but, um, you know, depending on how that, how that uh, fares out over this period of time, it, I'll, let, I'll let it speak to the, uh, upon completion. Yeah, yeah. So, so if I'm reading you right, basically there was a component of it that wasn't like cash up front. There was maybe an earnout, maybe some stock involved. And you're not quite sure what that's going to end up being value wise. Precisely. And COVID, had a, COVID, COVID was an interesting little hiccup that was was not anticipated necessarily. Yeah. The reason I ask is just to, again to finish off that story is because you raised seventy on the thirty, right? So if you sold for less than the thirty million dollar valuation, many people would go as effectively a down round when you exited. Would you agree? If it was a down round and we exited, I mean, basically with all the factors in play, um, you know, since we, given the amount of capital that we raised, it was the best decision for the company at the time, best decision for all the shareholders, uh, unanimous board consent uh, to move forward what we had. And mm-hmm. that was, that was the best opportunity for us. It wasn't the uh, headline, headline exit that we had necessarily, you know, wanted and or anticipated, but it was what we, you know, what we did. So it's something okay. that I kind of, you know, I think it's a, a lessons learned story from the perspective of exciting, you know, rapid growth, uh, but certainly want to make sure that how we account for things moving forward and how I do things moving forward um, is done in a way that takes those lessons learned. So getting to an exit, working with the right investment bank, making sure that everything is, 
you know, done properly on the roadshow. I can't imagine telling investing in a first time founder, having never gone through uh, kind of a roadshow experience and just trying to like, you know, wheel and deal. Uh, that's kind of, you know, uh, something that was new to me and I was able to do it, but I certainly think it could always, you could always room for improvement, I guess, with everything. Right. So, yep. Okay. So you close out that chapter of your life. Now, did you make like, you know, F you sort of money on that deal or like, was it just eh, enough money to have a little in savings or what? Like, no, not F you money. Okay. I basically, you know, there's a, there's a balance because we were really like an exciting, we had a whole floor and a bunch of great staff, honestly, great product, great technology, great client list. Like um, we're talking like top investors in the world were our clients and, you know, Sky's the limit. That said, um, you know, one thing that was our end market, uh, you know, did did have some difficulties. So just quickly as they're willing to shell out money, they're also willing to, um, you know, move on to what's what's hot, what's not. And I think that that's an, an interesting dilemma that's very specific to that market. Because once you get, it's the opposite of that software. Once you get, you know, 25 large holders buying your data and insights, Basically, there are they all don't have they have diminishing returns. They can start to lose alpha. So yeah, invest- totally, they, they lose the edge. The more the more you sell to, the more edge they lose because then everyone else has the same data. So hey, listen, we have about five six minutes left. Let's show folks on sunroof now. So you're selling now to banks, helping them service loans faster. Uh, what do they pay? Like, how, what's your model? They pay you like a percent of loans completed, a SaaS fee. What's it look like? Basically, customer orchestration from the customer experience components to the employee experience components. And then the ORM component, the online reputation management component. So we're looking at a market that really is crushing it right now, meaning the lending market in space. Let's say mortgages, uh, lending, and you know, so not B two B loans. It's consumer loans, mortgages, things yeah, like there, that. And there, there's a B two B component. So we've tested different verticals. But um, what's your main one right now? Is it helping banks service home mortgages? Yes. Okay. And uh, basically, right now, what we're doing is really trying to make sure that we take this next step to um, propel us to get to 50 customers, 100 customers, really really make sure we make all these decisions so we are actually solving all the problems that we know we can solve, but solving the right problems where there's not just a bunch of VC money being thrown in. And so Travis, it, you're, like, you're bootstrapped right now? Yes, bootstrapped. So I, I've, I've self-funded it for the past... Um, well, come on. How much of your ass is on the line? How much of your own money have you put in? A good amount. I, I will than, say a good amount. More, 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 more than a quarter million? Um, we could say, yeah. I mean, you, can, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at not a, okay. not like a fun amount. Like, okay, but, so it's more, more than 250 grand. I won't push harder, but more than 250. Yeah, you could say that. Okay, fair. So you put in your own money, but you hopefully own about 100% of the business, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So no co-founders, no investors. Right. And basically we are, you know, right now looking at an instrument that didn't even exist, a safe note, didn't even exist when I founded my last company. Um, mm-hmm. So safe note financing, um, you know, people who were, you know, aware and or invested with me before um, were interested and or involved. And then looking at, you know, accomplishing certain core metrics and goals uh, and basically over the next like three to six months. And then from there, you know, really already starting that Series A pipeline to make sure that we're properly capitalized, but with the right vision and the right, you know, team members in place. So I've got, um, you know, kick-ass team uh, across. The how many? How many are on the team? So we have an advisory board who's like inactive, kind of role members. Just how many full-time employees, though? Full-time, we have five. 
five. Okay, cool. And how many engineers? Three. Three. Okay. So I mean, heavy engineering. And are you an engineer or are you doing all the business sales marketing? I'm more doing the business sales marketing. I do understand and can do engineering. I just can't get stuck to that. I'm not an expert and I don't want to keep, keep up with all of it. So yep. I, I understand how the components work, understand how, you know, what, what we're doing, but not enough to, to say that I'm going to be innovating something beyond on the front facing. Less, yep. less, more of the front end than the back end, you know? So, so I'm a bank. I'm using you. I'm loving you. Uh, let's say last month I, I landed a new million dollar loan to a, a resident here in Austin, Texas, and I'm using you to make sure that that customer is really, really happy. How much are you making on that million dollar loan? So we're, our, we're not structured to make a percentage of loans. Okay. So we're structured as a subscription model. And those, that's one of the components that we're actually really trying to pin down because um, we are able to drive a high price given what we're actually doing because it is a very fragmented market. So How high? Like what's the average customer paying you per month, would you say? Uh, the range could be from, let's call it $4,000 to $12,000 a month. And what do you, why would someone pay twelve dollars versus $4,000? Like what are you upselling against? Oh, there's customer experience. Then there's employee experience and then there's ORM. So essentially we're looking at first party data for the customer experience and employee experience. So we're looking at survey data, uh, analytics uh, on performance, you know, metrics that actually are inside the organization. And then we're looking at the ORM component and how it impacts the actual journey at the end. So encouraging users to, you know, discuss and talk about reviews and such. And that's something that, um, you know, so you're upselling based off these products. They can buy one product, two products, or all three products. And if they buy three, they're paying twelve grand a month, probably. Yes, in its current uh, in its current state, and that's assuming that we don't make any price modifications. But you uh, will. So you will. Exactly. So right now, I will say, like, I can definitively say that price modifications could always be considered when we're attacking the market in mass. Mm-hmm. And how many how many customers do you have on the platform today? Three customers. Three customers, and you think you'll get to fifty in the next year? You said. So it depends on if we're willing to sell independently one of the components, or if we require two to be purchased to um, engage. And okay. that's the decision we're making of kind of the you know leadership and such. Because do we really want to have all of the onboarding? We want to take on those costs and sort of those costs of integration for just a one one step or one tier to be mm-hmm. able to pay. That's something that's currently being actively discussed and engaged. So Travis, three customers, minimum price points, four grand a month. That means at a minimum, you're doing about 12 grand a month right now on MRR. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. And so why go out and raise a safe? You have some money. Why not keep you know, self-funding and keep 100%? Uh, ultimately, I want to... So the market's just sitting there for the taking. And you know, one thing that I will say is that if you're always raising capital, it is a big distraction. And doing a safe allows us to hire the right team and attack the market and get market share in a very like position of comfort. Right now, I would say our customers aren't getting the enough. Uh, we're not collecting enough feedback from our customers to make the true blue product decisions we need to be making we, that we need to be hearing, we need to be listening to, because we don't even have real, uh, you know, a, a ton of managers. We don't even have managers like full time managing these customers, so it's like. So, so, what's the right amount? How much are you trying to raise right now? Uh, I, the right amount, small. So we are talking like very low, like million, million bucks, one point mm-hmm. five. And how do you? Obviously, it's a negotiation. It's very much art, not science. But what cap would you love to raise at? Um, let's say we basically are using two component val cap uh, and discounts. 
So eight and then the discount rate that we're providing and are offering in its current form. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's reasonable because then we feel that no matter what, the investors are really aligned with our well, What's the valuation? I mean, the safe discount is pretty typical, 20%, and the interest rate is pretty typical at 8%. The cap is really what matters. I mean, so are you talking like a 5 million cap or eight. something different? No, no, 8 million. 8 million cap. Okay, got it. With, and then these are pretty standard terms. So do you think, I mean, it's really your right, storytelling right, in your back. It, 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 relatively standard. You know, it also allows us the flexibility of not having common and preferred. Which is something that, you know, we haven't done in the past. That is something that's highly relevant to me. It's like nice to have everybody be fully aligned um, and not have some people have interests that may not necessarily align because my interests always align with just making the company the most valuable as possible. Of course. Yep. yep. And you're, you just remind us too, you really got this going last year, right? You launched in 2020? Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Well, we're rooting for you. We hope to get the deal done and you get up to 50 customers here quickly. In the meantime, though, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. Favorite business book? Oh, the famous five. I don't know the famous five. I would say uh, principles, Ray Dalio. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, I'd say Elon Musk is always standard uh, CEO. I like to see what he's doing. Interesting. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building sunroof? Um, I would have to say Airtable. Yep. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Four. And situation, married, single kiddos? Single, no kids running around. No kids, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I, I do have a, I have a partner, but nothing, uh, nothing, nothing. We're not, you know, engaged yet. And how, and and how old are you, Travis? Uh, how old is that? How old are you? Yeah. Yeah, thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Last question: Something you wish you knew when you were twenty. Wish I knew when I was twenty. Yep. Um, I wish I knew. Uh, I guess how I would. Uh, I guess I would be able to predict the future a little bit, a little bit better, and basically understand how um, how metrics worked. I think that if I really had a better feel for metrics and not just growth, I think it would have made some decisions a little differently. Guys, he owned thirty three percent of his last company when they sold that in twenty nineteen. He launched that in twenty eleven, raised about ten million bucks, grew it to well over six million dollars in revenue before exiting. Used a little bit of that money to put it into this new company, Sunroof.us. It's really helping banks manage loans more effectively, both the bank employees and the customer who took the loan. It helps with the entire customer experience. He helps to continue to scaling. Currently, doing uh, helping three customers at about four grand a month each, so twelve grand a month in MRR as he looks to scale up to fifty here in the next twelve months or so. Currently, raising a million bucks on an eight cap on a safe. We will see what happens. Travis, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan.